Welcome to the Becoming Your Best Version podcast. I'm your host, Maria Leonard Olson. I'm a civil litigation attorney based in Washington, D.C. I am an author, journalist, mentor to women in long-term recovery, podcaster, and TEDx speaker. Please go and like my TEDx talk called Using Life's Challenges as a Force for Good because it is short, but it also has the capacity to help a lot of people feel not so alone and tackle their challenges. So if you could do that, I'd very much appreciate it. I started this podcast three years ago to highlight the voices of inspiring women whose paths have crossed mine. And I met this amazing woman at a recent conference called Her Story Circle in Washington, D.C., this woman at a very young age started a seven-figure business that just is astounding. She's been on the cover of Forbes magazine. She ha helps other people. She, Cielo Solis, is a former TV journalist turned online media entrepreneur. She's the founder and CEO of Blend TV TW, a media company focused on producing content that fosters human connection. Disappointed by the lack of diversity in news coverage, Cielo decided to quit her job in television and make a change in the media industry by launching a website focused on grassroots journalism. That is how Blend, T Blend, Blend the World was born. Blend TW has grown to become one of the most popular sites among Gen Zers in America. The publication reaches more than 1 million readers per month. The company has expanded into a digital marketing agency and production company. Cielo has been featured not only in Forbes, but on The List, ABC News, Medium, Thrive Global, Fox, ABC News, and many other outlets. You can learn more at her website, which is blendtw.com. She's on all the social media channels, and all of this information is included in the show notes. She, we are experiencing some technical difficulties because I have lost Cielo momentarily, but here she is, and let me introduce Cielo Solis. Welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Sorry, I was having some technical issues there. Um, thank you so much for having me to Plasher TV here on a Monday morning. <laughs> Well, I am so fascinated by your story, starting with the fact that you're Peruvian, and I spent a month in Peru uh, last year and just loved it, loved it. So tell me about your story of coming to the U.S. How did that come about? Yeah, um, so I immigrated to the U.S. when I was 13. Um, it was really my family, my dad. My dad um, worked for the Air Force, um, so he had the opportunity to travel the world and he worked actually when Russia was still the Soviet Union. He worked there for a couple of months. He worked here in Kansas because his his work basically um entitled airplanes, right? So he got to travel, kind of get to know the world. And yeah, I think he always wanted something better for us. Um during the 1990s, it was really tough to live in Peru because there was terrorism. Mm. Um there were two specific groups that yeah, they were doing crazy things in Peru, and it was just very, very insecure because um, after a certain, like, for example, after like seven o'clock, it was really dangerous to go outside because any civilian could be killed. 
right? Mm. Uh, what happened is that there was um, a leftist group that wanted to overtake the government. And yeah, that had been going on for so many years. It was also, there was this fight against drugs because it's sad that Peru, it's one of the, I think it's one of the top exporters of cocaine in the world. So there were just so many internal issues and instability. And I wanted, and I think my dad wanted something so much better for us. So yeah, when I was 13 and then my sister was 14, he decided um, it's time to to move on and and you know he, he there was an opportunity for him to, to get a job here so he decided to relocate the whole family to Miami Florida where is where wow. I grew up wow wonderful well we sure are lucky that you decided to stay and um I've seen some funny skits about being an NBC page and you actually were one so yeah. tell us about that experience how did you get the job it's very coveted it's yeah. an entry-level position, but people really want those jobs and fight hard for them. So how are you so lucky to get one? To be honest, first of all, I think like ignorance sometimes is a blessing because um, I had just graduated from college. I mean, I went to school to study international relations. I minor in Asian studies and journalism. So I actually lived in China. So I always thought that I was going to probably go to law school and then become a lawyer, right? Or mm -hmm. be a foreign service because I'm trilingual. But I always wanted to do the media thing. So I decided to apply to the NBC page program. I didn't know how hard, how hard it was to get in. I just didn't know. And I think that was a blessing in disguise because if I'm, I think if I've known, maybe I would have not applied, right? Because I would have been very intimidated. Um, so that was that was really, really a blessing. Um, yeah, I just did the best I could. My I remember my professors really helped me out with the application. It's a very grueling process because once your application is out, there's about two rounds of interviews uh, and you have to be in New York City for those rounds. So yeah, I was, re I remember I was working for this tech company in Miami, right? Kind of just trying to pay my bills and figure out what was going to be my next step after graduation. And at the same time, applying to all these fellowships and internships. So I took a day off and then I flew to New York City for the interview. And I think one thing that really helped me is that I was confident of who I was. Even, even back then, right? I was in my early, early 20s. I was very confident in my skills and also on what I could offer to the company. And I think that made a difference when it came to, uh, to the selection process. Wow, beautiful. And then what prompted you to become the founder of Blend TW? How did that happen? It was very, very organic. It's so crazy when I think about how I built my first business. Now I have five businesses, so it keeps wow. me very, very busy. Um, but it was basically a passion project. It was something that was created out of love, love of storytelling. If there's one word to define me, it's really storytelling. I, my heart, I'm a journalist. Um, I just love stories. I feel that there are very few things that connect human beings like food, music, and one of them, it's really the human experience. So I was, when I was working at CNN, um, I was mentoring students at Columbia University. I remember that year, this was 2017, I had met with the Dean of Admissions. I met her at one of those conference, media conference that I used to attend. Um, and she was like, wow, you're so young and you're working at CNN America. It will be great for you to come down to 
every Thursday, right, and try to like mentor students on what it takes to work in the industry. Because, you know, one thing is to take classes in a school setting. Another thing is to really work as a journalist. So I was like, yeah, sure. I love to just kind of provide some insight as an insider. So every Thursday, I would go to Columbia University and talk to students. And out of those conversations, I realized really quickly that, first of all, majority of Gen Z um, they had a, a little bit of mistrust with like mainstream media, especially minority communities, because of how their voices or their stories were represented. And second, I realized that they really, they had a different way of consuming news, right? People were more on TikTok, on Facebook. On, I mean, TikTok was just taking off. This was 2017, uh, Instagram, Facebook. So they actually consumed their news that way more than watching CNN or Fox. So that to me was just crazy. I was like, wow, this is so surprising. So I decided to, to create this grassroots project. I remember we did a crowdfunding campaign. We raised $2,000. And we wanted to focus at very early stages, kind of being a humans of New York, but a humans of like college students, right? Mm. We wanted to create a platform for college students around America just to be able to submit their stories from issues ranging from LGBTQ issues to guns in America, right? Really, I guess, not easy topics to talk about. Um, but it was important for us to give a voice. Um, so yeah, so I kept working at CNN working on this grassroots project ending in 2018, one of her stories went viral because someone had shared that story on fa Facebook. It was about suicide prevention. Um, that story itself, it was just so insightful, right? Uh, I think it would understand the minds of college students, but more importantly, um, I think it really helped a lot of people because um, I think like college students had the opportunity to be very raw about sometimes the up and downs of just being a college student and how stressful it can be uh, to try to be perfect and try to get good grades. So that's why I think a lot of people resonated with that specific story. But anyways, um, the story went viral. And I think I remember in 2017, we were just, we have some, um, it's called Google Ads. So you can, it's called, I, I didn't even remember, I don't even remember the name, but it's like, so these ads you can put on your website and you can monetize to make a little bit of money. And someone had advised me, you know, keeping up with the expenses of a website, um, it can be a lot. So why don't you try to put some ads to try to make some money? And I, I mean, I, I didn't know that you can make any money in the mm -hmm. online space, but we did. And yeah, we started making some money and we realized, wow, like, what if we actually create more content on this website? Could we actually create, um, you know, like a stream of income that potentially could make the publication bigger. So that, that's how it all started, right? I started seeing potential on the website. I was also, I think I had reached a, a, a turning point in my career, in my journalist career. I love covering heart news. I mean, I I think I have so much respect um, during my time that I worked at NBC. I worked at Today Show, MSNBC, and then I worked at CNN. But I also was tired of covering heart news and bad news all the time. You know, you always, as a journalist, meet people at their worst. And I just wanted to focus on positive storytelling because there are a lot of people in the world doing amazing things. So that's honestly was also my my reason for just kind of quitting corporate world and decided to go in for this new website. Mm -hmm. Well, marrying all of your interests and your 
skills has proven to be so lucrative for you. I'm really impressed with how much you did in such a little amount of time. You mentioned that you have five businesses now. What are the others? Yeah, so um, apart from the uh, the main website, Blunty which is not worth over seven figures. I mean, it's so crazy um, to just even think about it, right? Um, I am I'm building a portfolio of websites and different spaces now that I know. There's one thing I'm an expert or I had to become an expert. It's like I understand the potential of breaking into a specific industry and building um, a publication, right? By really attracting a lot of traffic and then really monetizing. So I'm building a portfolio of websites. That's my second business on different niches. My third one is I was speaking in Vegas about eight months ago. This all just happened. And someone came to me and I was an entrepreneur. She had been struggling kind of to take her business to the next level. And she was like, oh my God, like I need to work with you because I feel that the information you have is life-changing. And there's so many people out there with shiny objects and not really doing anything to try to move the needle to 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 the you know to 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 the next level. So it's like he thought that the information was so important for just small entrepreneurs to know. So long story short, I decided to take her in um for coaching. It started like coaching and then She's like, I would like to work with you on a daily basis. Um, so that just became um, a longer, I guess, partnership. And she brought me to uh, five other people. And long story short, now I have a mastermind. It's called one million dollar website mastermind, where basically I teach entrepreneurs to build seven figure websites because it is possible. Um, I'm very excited about that. It's growing so fast. I think last time I checked, we have 25 people in the mastermind. I'm working in an online course. I'm very excited about this because so many people, every time I go to a pod, like, especially when I, when I go to a podcast and I start teaching about what it takes to build a website, you know, and, and, and I get really, really, um, a dev with about SEO, which by the way, stands for search engine optimization for, for just people that might not know that. And, uh, just to keep in simple terms, is a specific guidelines that you have to follow to make content rank organically on Google. And that's extremely lucrative. It's, it can be extremely uh, great for your business, life-changing actually, because you have so many people on your website and they're there for you. They're there because of the content you provide. So when you, I think when that marketing strategy, uh, it's so helpful and pivotal to build a loyal fan base, which is what you want as a business owner. But anyways, um, so I have the course I'm working on right now. We hope to launch in about two months. And um, I also have different investments that I've started made in real estate. Um, so I'm just super, super excited. I do also keynote speaking, right? Um, yes, I heard you speak and I understand why you are a sought after speaker. So yeah. SEO is kind of mystifying, especially to people in my generation, the baby boomer generation. Can you give us what maybe your top tip on something to optimize people's websites? Yeah, um, more than optimizing, I'm just going to be brutally honest, because I actually wrote um, a LinkedIn newsletter about this. Um, the top reason why 90% of people fail in making any money with their blocks is because they do not find a niche that is going to be lucrative. They never ask themselves, right? I'm about to create a website on this space. Is it actually going to work? Do I actually have a chance to create content that's going to rank that is going to be able to monetize? 
So people, you know, when it comes to um, the way of thinking is they, they first open the website and then try, then they try to figure out how to optimize content so they can get some traffic. It doesn't work that way. You know, if you do not get the niche research phase right, it doesn't matter how well you do everything else. It's just not going to work, right? And when it comes to niche research, there's so many variables, but um, a couple of them is making sure that you're not in a very competitive space. Because think about it. You are never, if you're a blogger, you're just starting a small blog. Are you going to be able to really compete with the New York Times or CNN.com? Never, right? These <laughs> corporations with millions of writers. Um, so you have to be realistic. Second, it's like looking at this space, looking at your competitors. Are they making money? right? Are they making substantial money that can actually um, basically help you, right? Create new streams of income for your business. That's number two. Three is what kind of expertise, right? Uh, does the content that is publishing this website or what the content that they're focused on um, is? Is it like high expertise? Is it low expertise? It's just so important to make sure that you tap into a space where expertise not that high because then it's going to be really hard for you to outsource and at some point as a blogger if you're basically looking into creating a profitable blog you're going to have to outsource because content is key that's how you get traffic once you understand your niche once you have an seo content calendar for a for at least eight to ten months then it's time to produce content, content, content. And it takes about eight to 12 months to start getting any traction from Google because you have to build a relationship with Google. Google needs to be able to trust you with the content you put out there. So it takes a time, right? It, Google is like looking at you, you know, observing you, what do you do for the first 12 months? And it, so that's why the 12 months are so, so critical. And then if they trust you with the type of content you produce and that that's where you start getting traffic, um, but yeah, but just going back to, to your question, I think is just making sure that in the initial phase, you do the niche research well and you find a, a specific industry that is going to work for you. Mm -hmm. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So I was putting the cart before the horse um, in this case. But I am interested because I, I honestly still don't understand what SEO actually means in practice. I know it means using certain terms is part of it, but um, what is something that like your mother would understand if she had a website? What would you tell your mom to do if she hit a niche, you thought it had potential? What would be a simple thing you would tell your mom to do? Um. So first of all, SEO, there, there's different types of SEO. I just want to be clear. There's one that's based like Google ads, right? Like you think about any ads where you put some money and then you see the ad everywhere. Okay. Uh -huh. Focus on that. It's just why focus just organic. And there's two elements. There's in page, meaning that the actual article needs to have keywords and then off page, which is the research. Once you know you've identified your niche, the second step, it's really just looking at keywords that are actually going to rank for you. Nice. The last thing you want to do is write content around keywords. And by keywords, I'm just saying it's terms. It can be like, we have this thing in our industry, long tail keywords, short term keywords, but it's just a word, right? That you okay. use and then you create content around that a specific word. And that obviously can be, you know, long, it can be short, but it's usually a word. Um, 
yeah so that's it and that's where the research goes because if you don't target the right keywords then you're not going to be able to to produce content that is going to rank high on the algorithm mm -hmm. is using hashtags at the end of a piece enough no 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 <laughs> no is it hashtags i'm like where, where did that come from uh, no we don't we don't use hashtags no, no. <laughs> You got to make sure you do a keyword <laughs> research. And then one thing I tell this uh, to also my clients, you have to make sure that you have a, at least six to eight months of um, a strategy, meaning you have to build an SEO content calendar. Uh, you, you need to know what you're going to be publishing for the next eight months. Oh boy. Okay. That's why, right? This is the thing with blogging. Uh, and I, like I said, I think people like to work with me because I'm so brutally honest with people yeah. to waste your time. I'm yeah. like, think of blogging. It, it, there's two scenarios here. It can either be a very expensive and time consuming hobby that doesn't give you any money, or it can be a very lucrative one. Yes. So the position is up to you. Um, 90% mm -hmm. of people are basically right in that ca category where where they have a have a blog and um yeah they 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 spend some time <laughs> on a blog but it doesn't make it doesn't make any money right uh, you definitely want to be in the second one so it's up to you right you you gotta you have a strategy like anything right when you're trying to enter the market think of a real estate right when you're trying to get into real estate you also have to study the market it's the same thing the work needs to be done the back can work before you do anything, I think in the front end. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. You are, uh, you are a breath of fresh air. I mean, not only can you understand, uh, can you present things in understandable ways, but your knowledge base is very, very wide and deep. So thank you for that. So you also have a number one podcast called My Voice, Our Story. Tell us about the birth of that project and what it means to you. Yeah, to me, it was just something so important because um, my publication, the main one, it's focused on college life, right? Our vision is to make college life easier and smarter. And I feel that um, kind of after navigating the four, the four years, right, of college and you graduate and now you're in the real world, people feel lost. I know I did, right? So it, it came from that. It was really connecting with people, their stories and providing tangible tips, especially for people that are just starting in their careers. I feel a lot of the times in your 20s, you feel lost and you you don't you feel you don't know where you're going. Um, so it started like that and then really evolved as a project to be able to connect with people and their experiences and to be able to learn, especially from people that have built um, credibility within different industries. So I've, I've interviewed anything from LGBTQ activists to politicians, to artists, to to um, just very famous um, is people in sports, right? So it's it's great to be able to know like their story. Sometimes people too, I feel they think that like, or they feel like when they see like their hero, someone that's extremely famous, they're like, oh, wow, I could, I could never be like this person because this person is super smart and super perfect. At the end of the day, they're human beings, you know? Like it doesn't matter how much success you are no one's life is perfect. 
So I think I'm also trying to break the stereotype that, you know, like, oh, these people are perfect and they have everything figured out and they were geniuses as we're young. No, a lot of them had to overcome so many struggles. They had to pivot so many times. And I think consistent consistency is what got them to that place. So, right, trying to, to make sure that we provide a good message to our youth. It's so important. Um, yeah, I am actually like, uh, my voice is is going to evolve into a tv show so i'm really excited i don't want to make more announcements but yeah we have stopped doing the podcast because we're going to focus now i recently launched oh i forgot to tell you i actually launched a production company oh um, yeah i actually went to peru so it's going to be uh multinational companies because we plan to work with companies in south america we have a base here in miami so i'm really excited and one of the projects the early projects we have is to launch about two different tv shows one in spanish and one in english so yeah, definitely. If you want to learn more about it, you can follow me on Instagram. <laughs> Do you ever sleep? <laughs> uh, no, these days I don't sleep a lot. I'm, I'm involved in a lot of things, but I think this is the age, honestly. I, I, I love the work that I do. And then obviously I have created a life for myself that I get to work from anywhere around the world. So you know, majority of people wait for the vacations, like, oh, I can't wait to go to Paris. Well, I can be in Paris next week and work from there, right? So I just love that. I've been traveling nonstop. Last year was eight different countries. I'm I'm planning to go to Paris for a month and just live there and work from there. And I, yeah, like I can work from anywhere as long as I have my computer and I have access to Wi-Fi. Beautiful. I love it. That's the kind of life that I I'm crafting for myself as well. Possible. Yeah. So um, I love your website too. And I, I'm fascinated that you appeared on Australian TV. How did that happen? Uh, Australian TV. Uh, it was basically um, a connection. It was, so I, so I was a contributor for The List. I don't know if it's a, it's a national show. It's a, um, a, a TV show here in America. And the producer told me about um, basically Ticker News, which is like a 24-hour online TV network. And they're based in Australia and they have a segment that focuses on entrepreneurs that are changing the world. So that's how it all happened. It's like, oh, I think you would be a good fit for this show. And then I, I think I was introduced by someone on my inner circle to the producer. I sent him a pitch. He loved it. And that's how it all happened relationships are very important yes wonderful and you did mention earlier in the podcast that you're trilingual I have Spanish English and what's the other one Mandarin yeah I studied Mandarin for so long um yeah it's it's wow. great it's probably rusty now but I did study for so long and I studied in China for a year um I can hold now a normal conversation but I feel like back in, like four or five years ago I could actually I was really good at it yeah, that's amazing. You just chose the most difficult language in the world to learn. That's well, just... I have a, you know, I have a theory. I do have Asian roots. Um, uh -huh. You know, my dad has Japanese and Chinese. Um, we have Japanese in our family. So I think that's what made it a little bit easier. I don't know. I mean, my dad doesn't speak one word of Chinese uh, or, or Japanese. I always told my dad that it would have been cool that if you would have learned. <laughs> but he's like, I don't know, you know, like, I don't even know actually when my ancestors came to Peru from these countries. But anyways, um, if anything, he knew Quechua, which is like the indigenous language and, wow. and spoke. Um, yes, the I've heard it. Yes. 
he spoke only Quechua until he was eight and then he forgot because he was sent to Lima, you know, and unfortunately back in the days there was so much discrimination if you yes. speak the language, so sad. But anyways, um, yeah, so yeah, I, I loved Asia. I just loved the food and then I love the culture. I love cultures that are very different than mine. So I think that's why I was so drawn to to Asia and I decided to to study Mandarin because a lot of people think it's really random it's like Mandarin like <laughs> French or I'm like no but I love challenges so. yes you do so I'd love- like to ask all my guests the following question what do you do to become your best version hmm that's a really good question I think I there's a couple of things I do these days but um the first one is that I try to do something that makes me, um, how do you say it? That makes me a little bit scary. You know what I mean? And I and I know my, that might sound weird. Like, what do you mean? It's just that I feel that everything that we do, especially that's scary for us, is kind of it's like a muscle that you develop every day, right? It's like you know how sometimes when um you are about to reach um, a baby a business deals that you've been dreaming or kind of like your next goal, right? And, and things are happening. Then your imposter syndrome kicks in and tells you you're not going to have like blah, 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 right? It's like how, how your brain is telling you like, because I, I like, because basically your brain, what it's trying to do, what it's trying to do is trying to protect you. That's what yeah. the brain is doing, right? So to me, it's like every time I practice, right? Or I try to be out of my comfort zone, right? It really helps me overcome that fear. And I'm so thankful to that because when I look back on my career, everything that I've accomplished, if I would have heard that voice, right? No, Cielo, don't do it. You're going to fail. You're not going to be good enough. I would have never been able to talk to you, right? Like I would not be here with you right now talking to you about my businesses. Um, because being an entrepreneur, it's not easy, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's hard. It's a roller coaster of emotions. Um, so yeah, practicing something that you know, or just putting myself in a situation that it's a little bit scary or it's a little bit uncomfortable. It's a way that every day, really, I, I think I overcome my insecurities and my fears, and that's so important to be the best version of myself. Ah, that is a beautiful answer. And I share your interest in pushing my comfort zone. And I like how you use the metaphor of a muscle because it's very true. And without risk, there are few rewards. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, And just know that the process for anything that you wanted to, right? Um, I also people start before you're ready. Because we tell ourselves so many times that we're not ready, right? Maybe next time when we get that promotion, maybe next time when the kids um, are in school and I have more time, you just got to do it and get on with it. Um, because if you think it too much about it um, and you don't execute, you'll wake up one day and just kind of regret, right? That Because we're, we're in this world for a very limited time. I, that's the way I feel it. We, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow you know, life, it's unpredictable. So while you live for today, just make sure you take decisions that make you happy. Um, and just know that there are a lot of people out there, right, that 
I feel like once I started going to masterminds, realizing that a lot of people were in my position, right? They were all entrepreneurs. I think kind of finding your crowd and being surrounded by people that have the same aspirations and goals helps a lot. You're not alone. I'm sure you're yes. in a community of people that are going to lift you up and that are going to help you. Because that that's what I thought at the, the beginning. I thought entrepreneurship was a very lonely path and it was a little bit depressing. And then I found my crowd and I found amazing women. And now I feel really blessed. Oh, and blessed you are. And as are we for having such an inspirational, energetic uh, woman on our podcast who is so wise at such a young age. I look forward to following your career and all the amazing things that you are doing and will do in the future. Thank you, Cielo. Thank you so much for having me. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you.